Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Tell them they're good looking and people like them and say, yeah, and you sing amazing too. Five services today. It's an exciting day. Why don't you put your hand together for especially those who serve on a team. Appreciate you guys and make it all happen for our kids and worship and production and first impression team and all the stuff, parking team and and uh, just trying to make some space for some more people. And uh, it's great to see you today. Hey, before I get into my talk today, I just quickly want to mention to the men, it's four months away. Our 252 Men's Conference is coming up, man. You don't want to miss it. We have the amazing pastor, Yoga Matesius with us, Josh Kelly with us. But we're just going to have an incredible time. And if you're heading in the right direction, it's going to give you a fire on the inside to keep going. And then if you feel like, man, somewhere in life you're stuck, uh, I, those type of weekends just pour faith into you, uh, pour vision into your heart, believing for just the touch of God to fall on your life in a rich way. Hey, let's dive into the scripture today. The title of my talk is Fight for the Family. Someone say, Fight for the Family. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. One of my favorite prayers in the entire Bible. I've prayed this for over our church for the entire life of it. So let's go. For this reason, he says, Paul speaking, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Having your eyes enlightened. Someone say, enlighten me. That you may know what is the hope to which He's called you. Someone say, Calling. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance? Someone say glorious. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power? Someone shout power. Toward us who believe. According to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and above every name, that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. Someone say, I'm his body. The fullness of him who feel, fills all in all. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the kids in our kids' space. I thank you for the teachers teaching them. I thank you for those online right now. Um, who are watching. I thank you for every man, every woman within the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, would you step in the way, Lord, that, that faith and love and hope might resonate, Lord, and resound, that, that people would be stronger, sharper. God, that, that champions would rise in this house. God, that leaders would be born in this house, that families would, would know that the blessing of looking and walking under the generation of the grace of God, I pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, come on, pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life in your powerful name. I declare today, by your grace, I can become 
all you desire. In your mighty name. And the church alive said, come on, give the Lord a hand one more time. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, grab your seat. Thank you, worship team. Can we thank our worship team for a moment? Someone say the fight for the family. My wife began to talk last week on the family of God. The family of God, Paul begins to describe this in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and 3. He talks about the exceeding riches of the grace of God. He talks about the, the, the grace, it's insurpassable. We are not just invited into a, a country club. We are not just invited into a community of people. We are invited into the family of God that is an eternal family. And really on this side of eternity, we'll only see a glimpse of what all that God has for us. How many of you know God has good things for us? He has good things for us and He purchased us through His blood, by His grace. It's not your works, it's not your giving, it's not your morality that saves you. It's the grace of Jesus Christ that makes you righteous enough that God would actually say, I want to spend eternity with you in heaven forever. It's an interesting text because Paul is praying for the church, and one of the reasons he's praying for the church is that they have a reputation, someone say reputation. He's heard of their reputation, and this is their reputation. It's a great one in Ephesians, the church in Ephesus. It is, their faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have a love for people. They are authentic, they're the real deal, kind of Christian. Their, their faith isn't in God answering just one prayer. Their faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they love people. Have you ever been around someone that just loves people? None of you. Like seven of you. Like, no, never been around that. We need to grow as a church in Jesus' name. They have a reputation of faith in the Lord Jesus. They have a reputation that they love people. On Thursday night, just week past, uh, I was at our Build Again dinner and our financial leaders uh, came together and just giving into the future of our church. It was an amazing night. Um, but on that night, I got a scratchy throat. How many know the first sign of you getting sick is a little, little tinkle in your throat? You, you feel it. You're like, no, 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 it's not happening. And you delude yourself for about a couple of hours, but then you realize, no, it's here. Um, and I'm one of those people, if I feel like I'm going to get a scratchy throat, I'm, I'm downing emergency. I'm trying to drink water. I'm trying to drink vitamins. I'm, I'm overdosing on vitamin C. You might be like, you're overdosing. Good. I want to sweat vitamin C when I'm about to get sick. I'm trying to fight this thing. Because uh, so many times, when if you get it in the early days, how many know if you get it in the early days, you'll often beat it? Well, I was trying to beat it with all my heart, but I didn't beat it. And uh, I've been boasting my wife recently that, I'm not getting sick. I didn't get sick all winter because I take cold showers. That's what real men do. And, and I was kind of boasting, but for some reason, this sickness got me. And, and then I did something a little bit silly. I, I was in St. Augustine, Florida, which was warmer than, it was actually a good weekend last weekend to leave Jersey. Last, I think it was seven degrees. I decided I'm leaving. But anyway, it wasn't that warm there anyway. It was, I don't know, 40 or 50. And, and I went in their pool in the hotel that I was at. Well, the pool felt like an ice bath. And so I was like, well, I'm going to get rid of this cold through an ice bath. And I went in there. I sat there for three minutes. I was trying to get rid of the virus. Then I did it again. Well, the next day I felt completely worse. <laughs> and it wasn't a good thing. 
But how many of you know you get symptoms when you're getting sick? And I want to suggest to you today that you and I need to be good at defining or sensing when we're getting symptoms of being sick as a Christian. Paul describes them as faith, it's in the Lord Jesus, and they've got a great love, but how many know that along the journey of faith, the journey of faith is years and years, and it can sometimes feel like a bit of a roller coaster, but you need to be able to be good at defining when you're getting sick, so that you know you need to amp up your vitamin C, you need to amp up your, your intake of the Word of God, you need to amp, amp, amp up your worship, you need to amp up maybe your communion, you need to go to private prayer, you need to go to a fasting moment. Why? Because you're feeling on the inside you're getting sick. Because the truth of the matter is that sometimes, sometimes Christians, when they're getting sick spiritually, if they don't actually diagnose themselves and don't realize they're getting sick, they actually begin to cough over everyone and all their friends and all their family start to catch their own negativity. Haven't you found that? And, and many times, the same Christian who loves Jesus, if he's not careful, can catch what I'd call a negative virus of the mind and begin to spread that negative virus and actually be a hindrance to the work of God instead of a help to the work of God. For Jesus says this, he who does not gather with me scatters. And I have found as a pastor of a church for numerous years now that I've actually noticed people gather people to the things of God, gather people, but if they don't define or don't actually sense when they're sick, eventually they'll start to slide on back and eventually start to scatter people. So I want to show you a number of symptoms that actually come in our mind and come in our heart. And I am not saying if you have some of these symptoms, you hate God or you're the enemy of the things of God. But what I am saying is that sometimes your mind will let you know that you're not as healthy as you think you are. Does that make sense? I've noticed one of the symptoms is if you're sick or the people around you are sick, they get angry when the family takes ground. It's strange. You're a Christian, you've been a Christian 10 years and 20 years. But all you can talk about is the parking lot and how full it is. Let me tell you, it's a good thing the parking lot's full. It's a good thing we're gonna, when we've got to add services. It's a good thing when there's, when there's growth problems. It's a good thing, but sometimes a negative attitude can get in you. And I just want to say to you, if all of a sudden you've noticed over the last month, you feel a little more grumpy when you come to church because you can't find parking and they're not doing the service that you like, <laughs> you might be getting a little bit sick. And you need to amp up your vitamin C. Am I preaching to anyone today? Come on, give the Lord a hand even if you feel guilty right now. Hello, like, huh? That's me, Pastor. You need to amp up your vitamin C. Sometimes they mock or critical and cynical of the family of God. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 3. To buy the Ammonite who was at his side said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. To buy the Ammonite and Sambalat the Horonite are the enemies of the purposes of God. They hate that the, the, the Nehemiah has come along and he's building the things of God and they literally despise it. But again, I just want to say this it's, it's rare that a Christian will say, I'm against it, but they'll actually take on thoughts 
and thinking and speech and attitudes and actions that oppose the building of the things of God. And we've got to be able to see it sometimes in our own thinking, in our own service, and notice that we're perhaps not in the place that we thought we were. You might have been a Christian for 30 years. Like, Anthony, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I'm mature. Just because you've been a Christian for 30 years doesn't mean you're mature. Sometimes your attitude can smell like manure. I just thought I'd rhyme that. I like to rhyme all the time on the dime. Let's go. (laughs) Sometimes the attitude of a Christian that's a bit sick, they're always talking about the problems. Nehemiah 4 verse 2, they're describing the problems. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish? And the burned ones are that. They're actually taking the, the burned stones and they were rebuilding the walls. How many of you know that people have problems? We're a growing church and praise God for that, but people have problems. Leaders have problems. We'd have no problems in our church if no one came. But the moment you begin to deal with people, people have problems. And sometimes people need attitude adjustments and sometimes people need counseling and sometimes people need to kick up the bum and sometimes we get out of focus and sometimes we focus on the wrong things and sometimes we get a little negative. Have you ever been around people? It just happens, but I want to suggest to you today that we've got to be good. If you're going to live the Christian life, you've got to be good at sometimes seeing the little foxes that spoil the vines the little places where you used to be on fire, but now you're seeing all the problems. Now you're seeing all the challenges. Now you're actually seeing growth as a problem instead of a praise. Are you with me? The last thing I want to suggest before I go on to how do you fight for the family is this. They carry out their own missions. My goal in life isn't to discover Anthony's dream. Though I have dreams, my goal in life is to come under heaven's dream for me. It's a different story. God will often use your dreams. God used my dream to want to play college tennis, to come to America one day. But I think it was him stirring that in my heart to get to me, to come to America. God will sometimes use your dreams to actually hold you um, and invite you into a bigger dream. And we've got to embrace the bigness of God's dream for our lives and surrender sometimes our little missions and our little dreams. Because I want to suggest this to you today. I think God has more planned for you than you do. And the best thing I can do is submit my dreams and my plans to Him. They carry out their own little missions. But let's go on to... What are the actions and attitudes of the people who fight for the family of God? What are the actions and attitudes of the people who fight for the family of God? First one is this, they're proud of the family of God. There's actually a healthy confidence of saying I'm a Christian. There's a healthy confidence. This is why it's so important to get baptized publicly. 
I heard someone many years ago say, hey, my daughter doesn't want to get baptized publicly. Can she do it in the bathtub? I was like, well, no. Why? Because you need to do it publicly. Jesus died publicly, naked publicly. He was humiliated publicly for you so that you and I could be proud of him when the world doesn't like him. The Apostle Paul wrote this, Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he says, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, I like people and I like being liked. How many like being liked? I want people to like me. I want lots of people to like me. I don't like when people don't, don't like me. Um, but I found this, my faith in the Lord Jesus over the last couple of years has actually strengthened as I've watched the world go crazier. When, when, when people say there's 92 genders, I go, I'm glad I'm following Jesus. I'm glad I'm following the shepherd. Um, when people go nuts, I have actually seen the wisdom of Scripture over time more and more. And here's what I've realized over time. Everyone follows someone, anyone. And guess what? I've compared and you see the gurus and the leaders and the teachers of our day. No one compares to Jesus. There is not one. And when I see the crazy of the world, I look at Jesus and go, yeah, I'm following Jesus because most other people are crazy. And you're like, oh, that's why I follow you. That's why I follow me. Well, you're not that good. You can sing the song of Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. But guess what? If you follow you, you end up just following Satan. They're proud of the family of God. Number two, they pray for the family of God. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, and then he gives an exhortation now in, in Ephesians chapter 6, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying when? At all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, which is a fancy word for persistent prayer. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. One of the great ways we serve one another is we pray for one another. If you're in a transformed group, group and you have a leader, transformed group leaders, pray for your Pray for your family, pray for your wife, pray for your kids, pray for this church. We pray for one another. One of the ways we unite together is we pray for one another. When someone's fallen out of church, when someone doesn't attend anymore, we're praying for them. Don't be surprised if you are part of Church Alive and get planted and so forth, and then all of a sudden you stop coming for a month and someone sends you a text, hey, I'm praying for you, where you at? Why? That's love. That's not control. That's love. We're praying for people. I've been praying for this church for the moment from this church. I've been praying the, the prayer of Ephesians 1 all my life. Feels like it anyway. Amen. Third thought today is speak life over the family. You cannot have a powerful family with negative speakers. You cannot have a great marriage and speak negative over it all the time. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. 
Do your words speak strength into people? Do your words speak encouragement into people? Do your words speak comfort into people? Listen to what Proverbs 8 verse 6 says. Listen, it says, for I will speak of excellent things and from the opening of my lips will come right things. I think one of the things we've got to be good at is celebrating some of the great things that God is doing in a church. But I also celebrate other churches. I, I love the fact there's great churches in New Jersey, like Emergence Church and Liquid Church and my goodness, uh, Hawthorne Gospel and Calvary Chapel. Like I want every church a life-giving church. I want them all to grow. I want them all to reach as many people as they can. I'm not just about church alive. I'm about New Jersey and America and the world. Like every life-giving church, like I want them all to grow. Now, unless they're leading them to a fake Jesus and a false, phony Jesus, then I kind of hope they shrink. But a life-giving church that points people to the real Jesus, helps disciple people, man, I'm about championing them all day. So we speak well of the house of God. We speak well of the things of God. I've always said this, that when there's gossip in a church, you've got a, a water bucket in one hand or gasoline in the other hand. And you can throw water on the rumor and throw water on the gossip, or you can throw some gasoline on it and make yourself a little bonfire. But how many know it normally is going to blow up in your face and burn your eyebrows? Think about that one. I've been there before. Fourth thought is this. They unite in the mission. We're going to see two teams united. There's not going to be any in-between. How we know Kansas and Philadelphia, there, there won't be one guy wearing Kansas pants and one Philadelphia shirt and running somewhere in the middle. There won't be any of that. And, and really, as a Christian, you've got to choose a team. Part of uniting with Christ is choosing a team. They unite in the mission. They block, they tackle, they sacrifice, they give 100%. Let me say this. An effective team, an effective family, they know the plays. You're going to see this all throughout the day. Today, you're going to see coaches covering their lips. And they're talking because they don't want the other person to lip read them. I don't know if we have expert lip readers. And obviously that was happening in the NFL. They're lip reading everything. <coughs> Excuse me. But they know the place. If you're, going to be a, if you're going to be an effective athlete, you know the place. If you're going to be an effective Christian, you know the place. How many you know Jesus has given us the playbook? Mark chapter 16, he says, go in all the world and preach the gospel. That's the reach. Our church, the mission is to reach Teach and empower people to live free in Christ and transform their world. Our reach means we're always too small. Don't ever say we're getting too big. That's what the devil says. And when you align yourself with what Satan says, how many know it doesn't go that well? I don't like that church. It's getting too big. Don't ever say that. Reach, teach. We're about discipleship. It is the mission of the church to disciple people. We're not just here to get them saved. We are here to disciple. That means become who you're meant to become. It really, at the end of the day, discipleship is becoming the person God originally intended you would eventually become. I believe it's more faith-filled. I believe it's more empowering. 
know the place. You know, across the life of our church over this next few months and season, we're going to try different things. We're going to use technology. I'm preaching to you, obviously, this morning live. Um, the next service, we're going to try and actually take this service and, and, and show it in, in, um, as a video experience. But how many of you know that we're going to use technology to reach people? Because lots of the people in our church came from literally an online experience. Lots of the people in our church came from a podcast or a YouTube experience. And the truth is technology works. And so just in case, so the preacher doesn't preach five times and fall over, we're going to use technology. We're going to use some wisdom. And the largest church in America is Life Church, Craig Rochelle. And actually, almost 100% of the time, you would go to that church, the biggest church in America, would actually, most of the time, you never see him. And so I just want to encourage you to just uh, adapt to change. And many times it'll be a live preacher, but sometimes it might be a video experience. And don't leave and think Satan's, Satan's taken over the building. No, we're just using technology. We're using technology to reach people far from God and disciple them. In Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Our church is a, is a worshipful, exuberant church. But it's not a crazy church. And I'll say this, when, when someone in the crowd becomes the center of attention instead of the worship team pointing people to Jesus, how many know it's out of order? So I believe in exuberant church. This is why you need to know this. I believe in exuberant church, but I believe in a leadership church who leads people well in Jesus' name. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit in our church. We love, I love the gifts of the Spirit in our church, but, but the larger the church environment, like a Sunday morning, the gifts of the Spirit aren't as much on display, but they can be displayed at men's prayer and women's prayer and at the front of our stage and at our empower nights and all kinds of different things. Um, because how many of you know that when you come to a church, you want to bring a friend who doesn't think the place is crazy? Can I get a good amen on that? Come on, you know it's true. You might be in church and go, Pastor, I need longer worship. How many of you know we have five services and we need to rotate people through services? So nothing's stopping you getting up at four in the morning and listening to worship for six hours before you come to church. Nothing's stopping you. Nothing's stopping you going home and then listening for, to worship for seven hours and being as deep as you want to be. I'd say this when it comes to preaching, I don't believe Sunday service is like Bible college because I think Bible college is a different environment. I think Bible college is an environment where people have been Christians often five years, 10 years, 20 years. But how many of you know, I'm gonna to preach to the 92 year old and the 12 year old. For, for someone who's come to church for the very first time and someone who has a doctorate in theology, and guess what? I'm gonna be able to trust the Holy Spirit to reach people, but then engage with those who are in the audience. But more than anything else, I, I hope and I pray that every time I preach, that you will sense that you are getting drawn closer to God, that you're getting pushed to persevere, to press on in the things of God. Um, and you will actually notice, unfortunately, that many times, sometimes churches that are famous for simply just breaking down every section of Scripture, if you were, walked into that church, 90% of the people in the audience have gray hair. I don't want that to happen in our church. I want... I want teenagers everywhere. I want 20s everywhere. I want 30s everywhere in our church. <clears throat> Are you getting this? 
I'm just describing some of the things so you know the place. We believe the Bible in our church. But also, I won't be just swayed by social media on every, every issue. Someone can come up to you. Do you hear what happened in Texas? Are you going to talk about what happened in Texas? And how we know the next week it can happen in Ohio and someone else in Mexico and someone else. And you're like, oh. we didn't hit. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. Last thought today. How do you fight for the family of God? You rejoice when the family gets bigger. You rejoice when the family gets bigger. Two Sundays ago, we baptized 72 people. 72 people. Can we, can we give that a hand? Today is obviously a day of five services. When I'm healthy spiritually, I love when churches buy buildings. I love when churches are growing. I love when churches are expanding. When I'm healthy, I fight for that. When I'm strong, I fight for that. And I pray that our church fights for the biggest things, the reaching of souls, the teaching and discipleship of men and women, and the empowering of people in the name of Jesus. Someone say, I'm called to fight for the family. Say it again. I'm called to fight for the family. Close your eyes all across this place. You might be watching online today. You may be watching as a video experience. And as your eyes are closed and no one's moving around at this time, I'm going to invite some people who perhaps don't know if they have a relationship with God. I'm going to invite some people that perhaps you felt far from God. I want to tell you that He loves you, that He died for you, that He shed His blood for you. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But says, But I have come that you might have life. Have it more abundantly. That God has a plan for you. It's a good plan. It's a plan to forgive you. It's a plan to walk with you. It's not all roses. It's not all good times. But it's a life of joy. It's a life of wisdom. It's a life of love. It's a life of walking with one who gave his life for us. So maybe you're in this place today, maybe you're watching online, maybe in a video experience, and you're watching this and you don't know Christ. We're going to pray as a church family together, and I'm going to ask us to pray out loud and pray boldly for some of you to invite Christ into your heart for the very first time. For some of you, you've wandered from God, you've run away, you've fell away, you've slipped away, however it is away and the grace of God compels you the grace of God invites you the grace of God is for you he offers his grace as we turn to him and trust in him he loves to give mercy he loves to give grace so all across this place with eyes closed and head bowed Let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your best. And I ask you in your mighty name to forgive my sin, come into my life, be my savior, be my Lord, be my very best friend. I turn my life over to you Help me from this day on 
follow you authentically by your grace. In Jesus' name, with eyes closed all across this place, heads bowed, I'm going to ask you, if you meant business with God in this place, would you quickly let me know by simply raising your hand up high long enough for me to see it? Every man, everyone who prayed that prayer today, would you raise your hand all across this place? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hands going up in the front. Hands going up at the back. Thank you. In the middle over there. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, those three there. That's awesome today. That one over there. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, today. Thank you, sir, today. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand, but more importantly, every heart drawn to you. Seal them in your house. Seal them in your purpose. God, may they never be the same again. Strengthen those that may be feeling sick spiritually. I pray that by your grace and mercy, you would pour out a sense on their lives of just how to strengthen their faith. I pray that they'd lift their head. I pray there'd be no condemnation around it. But I pray, Lord God, that they would see you and you would strengthen their mind and their spirit where they might need it. Lord, in Jesus' name, that they might be all they're called to be. In your mighty name, I pray. Come on, Church Alive. Let's give those people a hand that said yes to Jesus. Come on.